Chad, uh, you're a part of what we call a crossover. It's our young adults, ELN, which is our Emerging Leaders Network. I can't imagine how difficult it can be sometimes to balance out your life with uh, all that needs to be done, your regular work here, and then marriage. Now, we have our marriage conference coming up called Pause, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But when you think about running a race when it comes to ministry, what goes through your mind? Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really trusting in God. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful wife, and we get to do, you know, ministry together. Yeah. And so we, we do this together. And I appreciate what you do, Chad, because, you know, we always talk about not just the generation now, but then the generation coming up, and it, it takes a heart to do that and vision to do that. So can we just say thank you to Chad for all that he does. Thanks, Chad. And then he's going to come back up afterwards and do some recap with us. But we are in our series, Running Your Race. It's not somebody else's race. It is your race. God has given each and every one of us a lane to run in. It is your race, no one else's. That's why people can critique you. That's why they, why they can criticize you. That's why they can speak evil of you. That's why they persecute you. Why? Because they're not in your lane. They can, they can say these things because they're on the outside. It's like being a spectator at the Super Bowl and saying, why are you running the play like this? Oh, you should have kicked a field goal. Why did you get sacked? You should have thrown the ball away. You know, we can say all those things, which we did. Uh, you can say all of these things because we're in the spectator stand. And it's easy to say these things when we're in the spectator stand, but it's much more difficult when you're on the field, when you're in your lane, when it's your race. But God has given us the ability to run our race. This weekend, we have what we call our pause marriage conference, and we're going to pause this weekend so that we can, we can look at the marriage that God has given to us and take that time to look at the race, the lane that he has prepared for us in how we've been running in our marriages. For some of you, you're thinking about getting married, and so God is preparing you to be in your lane. It, this will be a great conference to be at so that you can understand what marriage looks like, how you can prepare for it. Like Chad was saying, whenever you start a race, you want to prepare. And so it is in a marriage. You've got to prepare for it. Don't just jump into marriage thinking, this will solve everything. You know, why, you know why we grumble all the time? Because we're not married. You know why these things happen? Because we're not married. No, no, no. These things happen because we're sinners, because we have flaws, and because we're learning. See, marriage doesn't make people perfect. Marriage in itself is perfect because God created marriage. And so marriage in itself is perfect. Yeah, but my marriage is not perfect. Yeah, because two imperfect people got married. The way God designed marriage is perfect. It's us who need to learn about this thing called marriage. So Friday and Saturday, we're going to have our conference. It's going to be wonderful. You can still sign up at our information center, or you can go online, I believe. If not, you can call the church office tomorrow. And if you're still debating and you're thinking, should I go, should I not go? What if my spouse doesn't want to go? Uh, could I just attend? Uh, let me just share the heart behind it. The heart behind the conference is to make marriage stronger. 
make your marriage stronger or to strengthen marriages. That's the vision behind it. So you can make that decision, but let me just give you an idea of what it's going to look like for Friday and Saturday morning so that you can make that decision. Friday night, we're going to do what we call a date night session. So we're going to have tables set up in here with chairs, and we're going to have dinner in here together. And we're going to have the session during dinner. So it's way different than your normal conference. And this is more like live action. It's like dinner and a show. But it's going to be the Word of God being um, uh, said, as well as what a date night is for. Why do we have date nights or date days? Why do we continue to date after we're married? You know, things like that. And so we're going to turn this place into a wonderful, wonderful buffet restaurant where the Word of God is given as well as the food. Now, in this setting, because we have to restructure everything, we're asking if you could, uh, if you're able to, right after service, if you're able to just stack six chairs where you're at and leave them there, and then after all the chairs are stacked, we're going to have people come in and rearrange. Please don't drag the seats uh, on the carpet because it ruins the carpet. So if you're going to stack chairs, just stack up six. And uh, yeah, and that's it right after service so that we can prepare for our pause conference. And I think together we can make marriages stronger because the Lord is the one who has given us the beautiful union of marriage. We just have to follow the way he made it work. Sometimes we get taken off track and we try other ways, but God said, my way is the best. Even though you may not agree with it sometimes, it is the very best way because he designed marriage in such a way that it was supposed to bless us as well as bless him. So that's going to be this weekend. Uh, also, coming on Sunday, uh, because it's our Valentine's weekend, you know, love is in the air kind of thing. Uh, Sunday, we're going to have our team kids uh, section, and they're going to be taking pictures of families. So I know we have Instagram and Facebook and things like that, but we're going to go back to the old school and print these things out. Because I don't care how many pictures you take digitally, you just never see them after. So you print this out and you put it on your nightstand, you put it somewhere that you can see them, and it's a cute way for us to remember our Valentine weekend. So at our uh, Team Kids area, you can take pictures with your... Oh, this is Heidi and I. Aww. You go sign them. You sign them after. Put, to my love. Okay. So you can have that with your family, and it's absolutely free. We just want to bless you and your family uh, and then also, we have our, our seniors' Valentine's Day country store in our, in our uh, courtyard. And that's going to be great because these, uh, our seniors, really look forward to not just that time, but gathering together so that people can find Christ. They use these funds, believe it or not, to have various events so that they can invite their friends in the hopes that they find Jesus. And I thought, you know, what a great way for us to bring people together in a creative way that they're going to have a country store. I'm not sure what they're going to sell. I'm sure they're going to have great things. I mean, if you've ever been to one of their country store uh, sales, then you have a lot of goodies, and so they're preparing this Saturday. So go support them, and your, the finances will go towards ministry and reaching out to people because that's our heart. That's the race that God has set for us to run at this church. And when he gives us this kind of race to run, all of us are included. See, you're a believer. You believe in Jesus, so you're, you're in the race. 
We're in this race together. But it doesn't matter how well you start. It's how well you finish. Some of you are like, it's how well you dress because you got to look good when you're running. Well, it's how well you finished. Now, how many Patriot fans do we have out there? Come on. <laughs> we got like five. Where's Bunny? Oh, you were the one yelling. Okay, so, so the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is only because it relates so well to what we're talking about. And in the first half, if you're watching the game, I'm sorry, if you're not a football fan, you'll, you'll get the illustration. Just stick with me and forgive me. In the first half, the Atlanta Hawks, Falcons, I'm like, wait, that was NBA. The Atlanta Falcons, uh, they were winning. The third quarter, they were up by 25 points. And somehow, the Patriots kept their composure and ended up tying the game at the end of regulation, which is 60 minutes. And then they won in overtime. So you can look at the, it's, it's called the Edelman catch, right? The, the catch that he made. And then I watched the sports science behind it. It was one inch off the ground when he grabbed it in, I think, 0.21 seconds when he regained the ball because he's just that quick. But it was because of that catch that they're saying that's why they won. Now, if you look at this game, they have 60 minutes to play. You could say that the Atlanta Falcons didn't play for 60 minutes. You could argue that. And you might be biased if you're an Atlanta fan. But you could definitely say that the Patriots played full 60 minutes. They let nothing out. Even their two-point conversions, they gave their all. Every single play mattered to them. Why? Because they know that this is a game of inches and minutes and seconds. That they have to finish well. It didn't matter the first half. In fact, the coach, after he was on a talk show, and he said... We weren't, we weren't frazzled. We weren't discouraged because that's just the beginning. That's the first half. We know what we're capable of. That's why we didn't lose our cool. And so everyone on that team participated. Everyone mattered because their assignment mattered for the winning touchdown. Every single person and although some may have an MVP trophy, they'll have accolades, they'll be on the front page, you have others who contributed that no one will know of. The person who made that key block so that they could score. All of those in-between things, the, the coordinators and those who, who were able to put plans together, you may never hear of them, but they did their assignment well. Why? Because they each have a lane to run in, and they run and finish well. And when that happens, everyone wins. Now listen very carefully. You may think that the life that you're living is just about you and that it doesn't matter to anyone else. But when you finish well, everyone else wins too. Your family wins. Your marriage wins. Your, your, in, the people in your workplace, the people around you, ministry, church, everyone around you, everyone around you benefits from you finishing well. I often say this on Sunday morning because we have three services and everyone comes in at about 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30. Some in the kitchen come in at 4 o'clock, 4.30. I will always tell them this by the time it comes third service. I will tell them, hey, guys, finish strong. Finish strong. Let's finish strong. Because by then, everybody's just tired. <laughs> oh, man, what time is it? 11 o'clock. We got one more service to go. It's tiring. 
People have been up since 4 o'clock, even earlier, to get ready to prepare for what we call game day. That people are finding Christ. People are drawing closer to the Lord. People are learning about God and cultivating, building their hearts so that when God speaks, something, something of a miracle takes place. And so we want to talk about how do we finish well. How do we finish well? Because maybe right now you're looking at your life and you're saying, but it's, it's, not, it's not well right now. Things aren't going well. Finances aren't going well. My, my faith isn't well. My, my, my relationships aren't well. So I don't, it doesn't feel like I can even finish this race. Well, the moment you feel that, know that you're not done yet. That God is continuously bringing us forward. Because we're in a race. We're all in this race. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12.1, and this has been our centerpiece scripture for this entire series. The Bible tells us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Who set the race before us? God, yeah, you didn't. God set the race before you. So some of us may think, well, then I blame God, then I blame him because he made this happen. Oh, you could have made decisions in your lane, but God nonetheless set this lane before you. This is your race. What you choose to do in your lane is the freedom God gave to you. So if we're dealing with consequences or things that we just chose to do in our lane, that's because God gave you the freedom to choose. He didn't make you do certain things. Yeah, but the enemy, the devil made me do. The devil has no power over you. He has no authority over you. If he has authority over you, that means you gave it up to him. But take that back and say, Lord, this is my lane. This is the lane that you've given to me. I'm going to play all 60 minutes. I'm going to go my entire race because it's not how I start. It's how I finish, and I'm going to finish well. It's true in marriage. It's true in our families in our work environments, that we, we, we can start good. We can start really well with a nice wedding. We can, we can have the nice you know, flowers and good reception and nice ring, nice dress, nice suit, good haircut, smell good. But then after a while, good start, but where are we now? It's a good way for us to remember that it's not how we start, it's how we finish. You may be halfway, you may be three-quarters, but you're not done yet. And that's the hope that we have. That if you're feeling like, well, things aren't working out. Well, you're not done yet. Well, I have these dreams. I have these hopes. You're not done yet. Well, I have some desires and I have some things that I want to accomplish for, for, for God and for family and, and for the things that he's put in my heart. I want to accomplish these things. But certain things came my way and, and it just took me off track. And so it feels like my dreams are dying. It feels like I have no more hope. It feels like nothing's going nothing's gonna to take place. And now here I am in this season of life. And what do I have to show for it? You're not done yet. You're not done yet. You can run in a race and see your shoelace untied and, and start grumbling about it and say, oh, my shoelace untied. I guess I'm done. I mean, my shoelace, I, what, what if I trip? What if I fall? Oh, I'm cramping up. I, I should stop my cramping up. No, you stretch it out. You rub down your leg or drink ketchup, something that will take away the cramps, tie your shoe, and you get back up and you keep going. Why? Because you're not finished yet until you pass the finish line. That's why it's called a finish line. 
there's a line that tells you you're finished. We don't need to go to college to understand that's what the line is for. It's a finish line. And God says, you're not done yet. You're not finished yet. I have a hope for you and a vision for your life. So we're going to look at three areas in life that we all deal with in finishing well. It's our relationships, our finances, and our faith. Our relationships, our finances, and our faith. Those are three areas that we all struggle with. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. We're going to struggle relationally, financially, and with our faith. Even if you don't believe in God. See, everyone has faith in something. The question is, what are you putting your faith in? See, every single one of us, we all have the capacity to finish well by allowing God to coach us along the way. And here's how. Here's the first thing. Be purposeful. In everything you do, be purposeful. Don't just live life randomly. Don't just live and run this race just to let things happen. Don't live randomly. Live with purpose. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 tells us, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In other words, what the Bible is saying is, in a race, only one person wins. Only one wins. Even if someone wins ahead of you, and you're still running the race, and you come in second or third, let's just say that person cheated or something went wrong, and, and maybe they, they broke the rules. They're disqualified, and because they're disqualified, you win the prize. There's only one person that's going to win the prize. And the Paul, Paul the Apostle is saying, don't, don't become disqualified. Discipline yourself so that you don't disqualify yourself. Don't take shortcuts. Don't cheat. Don't go around corners and, and try to maneuver your way into things. Do things God's way, lest you become disqualified, even if you finish first. You can still become disqualified because you just took some shortcuts. And God says, that's not the race I've asked you to run. Discipline yourself in every area. See, we are in strict training because this is a race of life and eternal life. That word subjection means to lead away into slavery, to claim as one slave, to make a slave and to treat it as a slave. For example, you're, you're, you're subject to stern and rigid discipline. So when Paul says, well, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, he's saying, I make my body a slave. I tell my body to obey God. I make my body obey God. It's a strong word, slavery. The Israelites knew about slavery. So when Paul brings in this word, slavery, oh, that's a sensitive issue. It's like when we bring up the issue of overthrow. Oh, that hits some hearts, doesn't it? Paul was saying slavery, and oh, it hit their heart. And he said, that's what you're supposed to do to your flesh, your body. You discipline it, bring it into slavery so that you make it obey Christ. 
So when you're at that moment of temptation, you, you make it obey Christ. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're now a slave to Christ. And he uses this term so that we can understand how detrimental this is while we run our race. That we obey the Lord in everything that we do. See, the body, if not kept in subjection to the Lord, may stand in the way of true ministry. Our bodies can hinder us from doing the things of God. But if we bring it into subjection, now we can say, I I think we all, okay, I'm speaking for myself too, we all deal with eating healthy. We all deal with that. Because in Hawaii, we're surrounded by such good food. I mean, we're the melting pot of food. We have every kind of food here. And auntie know how to cook this. Uncle know how to cook this. You know how to cook this. Well, I don't know how to cook, but I can make simon and eggs. I can do that, but you know how to cook good food. And so when we go to a Super Bowl party or some type of first birthday, there's tons of food and it's so good. And we just eat and eat and eat. And then after a while, years later, we go to the doctors and they're saying, okay, here's this, A, B, C, D. We've never brought our bodies into subjection. Our thought process, the way we think, we just let our minds go wild. And then after a while, we say things, we do things, we, we, we have actions that follow what we say. And, and next thing you know, we're in a place that we never would want to be. And then we're thinking, how did I get here? I never brought my mind into subjection. We get angry, we have uncontrolled anger, and then we do things that hurt other people. And then we look at God and we say, why, why am I like this? I didn't mean to hurt that person. I don't want to be like this anymore. And God says, because you never brought your body into subjection. You never made it your slave. It made you its slave. See, if you don't bring your body into subjection, your body will bring you into subjection. And at that point, that means your flesh is winning over your spirit. But thanks be to God that he said, no, no, no. I've given you a spirit, my spirit. I breathe that to life. Now you're a new person. So now your spirit, feed that. Now your spirit will overpower your flesh. Don't feed the flesh. You empower your spirit. The flesh and spirit will always wage war against each other. And so Paul is saying, don't you run aimlessly. You run with purpose in every area, financially, with your faith, in relationships, we're all going to struggle in those areas, but, but God says, you can accomplish this. You live with purpose because I've given you a purpose. You don't just run in this world. You live with purpose. Here's the second thing that we can learn. Look to Jesus. Oh, that's so simple. Simple, but hard to apply. Simple to write down, hard to apply. Because we look to other things so quickly it's, it's, it's not that we don't look to the Lord. It's just we, we just take long to look to Jesus. It just takes a while. It's like when Heidi says, oh, can you, can you paint this wall for me? Sure. And five months later, it's like, can, can you not paint the wall? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to paint it. Four years later. So you're not going to paint the wall? Yeah, yeah. To me, that's, that's not long. To Heidi, that's forever. Wives will say, oh, can you move this for me? Sure. Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, it's like, you know, I'll do it myself. And you're saying, why do you ask me then? <laughs> so, so that's why you need to come to the conference. We get issues. 
your time and, their, and someone else's time is, is so different. But when we look to Jesus, it has to be quick. It has to be quick. Because there's so many things vying for our attention. Our phones are, we look to our phones quicker than we look to Jesus sometimes. And I'm thinking, why, why would I want to turn to my phone quicker than I turn to Jesus? Why would I post something on Facebook hoping someone gives me the answers when Jesus is the answer? Why would I want to do that? Why don't I look to Jesus? Why does it take me so long to look to Jesus? And sometimes we say, because he takes long. But his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Have you ever stood in front of the microwave waiting for something to heat up like Cinnabon for 15 seconds? You're like, this thing is taking forever. Like, come on, 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 ding, and you take it out. It takes, to you, it takes forever. Why? Because we are impatient. We're impatient. But the Bible says God is not slow about his promises as some, as some people account slowness. His desire is that none shall perish. God is not slow in keeping his promises. His timing is perfect. He knows exactly what he's doing. we got to look to him because he's the beginning and the end. He's your starting line and he's your finishing line. That's why the Bible tells us, Hebrews 12, 2, fix our eyes on Jesus. In this version, in the, New in the New International Version, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You know what a pioneer is? A pioneer is someone who goes to places that no one else has, no one else has ever gone to discover, to, to, to make blazing trails or to blaze the trail to make the way possible for others to come in our forefathers those who have pioneered for us so that we can find the way jesus did that he pioneered he, he pioneered and is the perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god he's the one that perfects our faith but he's also the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So he's that champion up there. He's sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. It didn't look like that was going to happen while he was dying on the cross. It didn't look like Jesus was going to be ascended into heaven while he was bleeding, while he said to the Father up above, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But there's one phrase that Jesus said that he understood that this is my finish line. And he said, Father, it is finished. It is done. It's finished because Jesus knew that that was his race to run here on this earth. And what was his reward? He sat at the right hand of God in heaven. He sat at the right hand of God. It didn't look like he was going to have that in the beginning. It didn't look like that was going to happen when he went to the cross. It didn't look like that was going to happen when he was on trial, when people mocked him, when they beat him, when they put the, thorn of, the crown of thorns on his head, nails through his hands and nailed through his feet. It didn't look like that. Hung him on the cross, mocked him ridiculed him, stabbed him on the side with a spear. It didn't look like that. And some of you feel like that. You feel like you're on a cross right now. You feel like you're dying. You feel like there's no, no life. And God says, you're not done yet. It is not finished. Because with every death as a believer, you always have a resurrection in spirit and in this life. We just need to die to self sometimes. And when we die to self, we'll resurrect because that's the power of God. That's the power he gives to us. This is the race that he told us to finish well. We can finish well. Jesus was the one who perfects. 
This word perfecter is actually a Greek word, teleotes. It's one who has in his own person raised faith to its perfection and so set before us the highest example of faith. The highest example of faith. No one's faith is higher than Christ. He is the example of faith. He is the highest example of faith. This is why we look to him, because he is the highest example of faith. It also means, this word also means to perfect, to complete, to carry through completely, to carry through completely, not stop and quit, to carry through completely, to accomplish, finish, bring to an end. And if God says that Jesus, the Son of God, is the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end. So that's why we look to him, because he knows everything from beginning to end. He sees our life in its full completion. This word also means full-grown, adult, of full age, or mature. The root word for perfecter means the end, eternal. The end to which all things relate, the aim, the purpose. So when we run this race to its very end, we accomplish our purpose. God has given us all a purpose. Now, you may have different purposes as a husband. You need to be a husband to your, your wife or uh, be the wife to your husband, father to your children, mother to your children. He may give you a purpose of, of, of a calling in ministry. He, he may give you a purpose that, that, that you never thought he would give to you. But here you are. This is the race that you're set in. And you may have different assignments within this purpose. And God is saying, you have purpose, therefore take aim and run with endurance the race that has set before you, that I have set before you, and finish well. The last thing, and this one is for all of us, and it's just crystal clear to give encouragement, finish strong. Finish strong. In everything we do, finish strong. Every assignment God has given to us, finish strong. In our marriages, finish strong. Don't just give up because it gets difficult. You're midway. You're halfway. You're three quarters. You're just not there yet. Finish strong. You could be in your families and, and maybe you're drifting apart from your children or, or maybe as siblings or, or maybe in your workplace. There's things that are happening that you just don't feel like it's going to be good. Just finish strong. Whatever you can do, you finish strong. In whatever you do, the Bible says, work as if working for the Lord, not for man, because he's the one with the reward. And trust in him, that he's the one that's going to reward you. You just keep moving forward. Don't slow down before the finish line. Any coach that is coaching a, a team of sprinters will always tell them you run past the finish line and then you slow down. You don't slow down before the finish line. I mean, how often we've seen people celebrate too early and they've, they've not crossed the finish line yet and they're celebrating, woo-hoo, and here comes the person behind them. Why? Because they had not crossed the finish line yet strong. They coasted it. You gotta finish strong. 
And so God says for us as believers, finish strong in everything you do, even in your walk with Christ. Don't give up. You read the Bible strong in the beginning. It's like, oh, I started off strong, read my devotions, beginning of the year, every single day for one day, and then I forgot the next day, and then the next day, and the next. And you give up. No. You get back on track, and you finish strong. Even though you may, some of us follow the bookmarker. Even though you may have, like, you know, buck tooth, every now and then you have a check mark in there. And you finish the year reading the Bible maybe three or four times. That's okay. You complete it. Because the next year you're going you're gonna to read the Bible five times in the entire year. Ten times. Fifteen. Twenty. And then after a while, this will be the greatest book that you will want to read. Because it's full of godly wisdom. And it helps us to finish strong. Don't get discouraged when you don't read a day of your devotions or you don't get into the Word of God. You just get back on track and you start again. You're still in the race. You may have tripped. You may have fell. You may have uh, gotten hurt or whatever it is. You just take your time, get back on track, and then you keep moving forward. doesn't matter how, you've, how you started. It matters how you finish. So finish strong. All of us can do that. Paul continues in this second book of Timothy, chapter 4, verse 7. He says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says this. Paul wasn't always following Christ. You've got to remember, Paul was a Pharisee. He followed the ways of the laws and just abided by the law of the strictest sect. And so he, was, he, he, he learned the laws of God, persecuted the church, persecuted the believers until Christ changed his heart. And now Paul is saying, listen, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, Paul is saying, you know what? I, I've had some bad times. I, I, but I have fought the good fight. See, there are bad fights and then there are good fights. Forget the bad fights. We, we've done that already. The gossiping, the, the, the spreading of you know, news to people. Even the bad fights of people, they don't even know what they're doing sometimes. They'll go to this rally, that rally. So what is this rally for? I don't know, but we're doing this because everybody's gathering together. We have no idea what we're doing. And Paul says, you fight the good fight. and God is good. In other words, you fight for everything that is good in your life, everything that God has blessed you with. You fight for your marriage. You fight for your family. You fight for your children. You fight for your relationship with God. You fight for what you believe in. That's a good fight. And Paul uses this word fight because we all understand fight. We all understand what fighting is, it's especially here in Hawaii. It's so easy to fight. You just tell somebody what, and they tell you why. Scrap. <laughs> we know how to fight. When we were born, we were fighting to survive. We cry. We fight. For, we fight for food when we're young. We fight with siblings when we're, when we're babies. We're, we're fighting. We're fighting over toys. And Paul says, you already have that fight in you. Now fight the good fight. And whatever you have to do, you fight for it. You might think of suicide. You fight that thought. You might think of hurting someone else. You fight that thought. You fight the good fight. And let the devil lose his own battles. You let him go. Let him fight the bad fights by himself, punching himself. Have you ever had an older brother do that to you? My brother did that to me. Why are you punching yourself? Why are you punching yourself? I was like, hey, wait till you go sleep. <laughs> but you let him, you let the devil do what he's going to do. You have no business with his business. You're about the father's business. And you keep following him, fight the good fight. So the question then is, why do we want to finish strong? 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'm going to read the New International Version and the New King James Version, these two. Now, you might have a different version in your Bible, but it says this in the, the NIV, New International Version. Paul says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, we can't even conceive what God has prepared for us. The New King James Version says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, what God has prepared for us, we can't even fathom. We can't fathom. So you may think, well, if I keep following God, then it's going to turn out like this. You're close. You're close. But it's better than that. Well, if I, if, I, if I keep fighting the good fight, then God is going to make this look like this? No, it's going to be better than that. Why? Because you can't even conceive it in your mind. You can't even, it can't even enter your heart. That's how wonderful the prize is that is set before us. We can't even fathom it. If I rewind the tape back when Heidi and I were teenagers, and you can ask Heidi, there was no way possible we could imagine that God would have the life that we're living today because we had our child as a teenager and we just thought life was done. You can't even conceive what God is going to do in your future. Now, you may be thinking right now, oh, I love my marriage. My family is great. That's good. God can top that. So don't stop continuously pursuing the things of God and running your race lest things start drifting. We're going to learn that at our marriage conference in how we keep the flame going and not just the, the love for each other, but how we continue to fight forward and learn and grow in our marriages and our relationships. See, you don't win the prize before the finish line. You must cross the finish line. I don't care how badly you talk to the judges. You say, but I was running fast in the beginning. Look at my clothes. Look at, look at my shoes. I bought these shoes brand new for this race. I need my prize. Say, yeah, but you got to cross the finish line. Too hard. That's too hard. Too far. My legs sore. My back aching. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. But he says, if you don't cross that finish line, you're not even going to get a T-shirt. I'll junk this race. The finish line is right there. You get no prize if you don't cross the finish line. And you can, you can grumble to all your friends and family members, and they hear you. They hear you grumbling. And you're saying these things, and they're thinking in their mind, right, you never crossed the finish line. You know, they never give me this. They never do that. Yeah, but you never crossed the finish line. You're you, against me too. Nobody, nobody, everybody's fault. It's, we just didn't cross the finish line. It's just that simple. God says there's a finish line. You cross that, you win the prize. And when we overcome the battles of the flesh and our selfish desires, we win the prize after the finish line. What prize? We don't know exactly what it is. We can't even conceive it. All I know, it's a prize that we cannot fathom, and that's a good thing. Because he can always top our dreams. When we overcome the temptations that pull us away from God, we win the prize after the finish line. When we're able to overcome materialism and trust God with our finances, we win the prize. But it only comes after the finish line. God is able to do infinitely more than we could possibly ever imagine or dream of. This is why we want to finish strong. Because he has things in store for us that we yet know not of. I want to close with this scripture in 2 Corinthians, and you can turn your Bibles there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. 
Because some of us are thinking, I can't finish strong. I, right now, I am like down to my wits end. Like, I cannot finish strong. I don't know how I'm going to finish strong. Right now, it just feels like I'm coasting, I'm drifting. I feel weak right now. I feel like I'm not able to run anymore. How much, how much more can I give? Paul understands exactly how we feel. And Paul begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, but I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I won't, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in, weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, you may feel weak at times. That's okay. You may feel frail at times. That's okay. You may even feel like a failure. That's okay. You may even feel like the world is against you. That's okay. You may even feel like no one cares, no one loves you. That's okay to feel that way. Just don't act upon it. It's in that weakness that you call out to God and you say, God, I, I am weak. I'm not able to. Can you be my strength? Watch what Christ does. Don't look at the circumstances around you. Don't look at what's happening in the race. You head toward that finish line. You finish strong. You look unto Jesus because that's who's at the finish line. Christ. He's the beginning, encouraging you, encouraging you. Let's go. Let's do this. You can do this. But he's also there at the finish line saying, come on. You can do this. Come on. There's a prize waiting. You've got to cross the finish line. You can do this. And he's encouraging you bringing you home to himself. You know what the prize is at the end of the finish line? It's Christ. He's the prize. It's being with him. It's understanding his love for you and I, the strength that he gives to us, the hope that he gives to us. It's not in things. It's in Christ. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You know what that joy was? wasn't just sitting at the right hand of God. 
He was already doing that from the beginning of time. You know what the joy was for Christ? Just being with you and I for all of eternity. That's his greatest joy. So he's, yes, he's cheering us on to come to the finish line. Why? Because he wants to be with us forever starting on this earth. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he said, it is finished. I did my part. Now he's cheering us on to do ours. Finish the race, guys. Doesn't matter how you started. Doesn't matter where you are right now. Just finish strong. Finish well. The race that is set before you and I. We can finish well. Because he finished the race for us. He finished well to the very end. Even death on the cross. Our hope is in him. Not in our strengths. Not in our abilities. For when we are weak, then he is strong. Aren't you glad that even in our weaknesses, he still remains strong for all of us. Let's run the race with endurance. Let's finish well. Let's run to Christ. Amen. Would you bow our heads with me and we're going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing us your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. Thank you for enduring the cross, despising its shame, for the joy that was set before you you could see us with you forever. And sometimes we lose sight of that because we're running this race and, and there, there are people saying things about us. There are things happening to us. People in our own families that are drifting from you. People that are, 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 are betraying us. There are people that would, would ridicule us or, or gossip about us. People who are against us. We may have done things that, that have put us behind in the race. We're falling back. Maybe we've we've fallen or maybe we've cut some corners we've taken some shortcuts whatever it would be lord we are still in this race the lane that you have given to us so help us to be righteous because righteous people will fall but we rise again we dust ourselves off and we keep moving forward because that's where you are. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same at the beginning of the race, in the middle of the race, and at the end of the race. And so we run to you tonight. Let us always look to you. For you are the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. That's the greatest example that we will ever see. And so we look to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen, amen, amen. Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon, for an encouraging message. You know, when you talked about um, Paul having that thorn that, you know, that God gave him, it's helped me to realize that, you know, that God allows things to happen in our lives and he, he does so because it draws us closer to him. One of the things that happens to us is, and it's, it's, it's a word that we hate. It's called pain. But any athlete knows that, I mean, we say it, no pain, no. Yeah, and sometimes what happens is God will cause that thorn in the flesh or something to remind us that it's in our weaknesses that we're strong. Sometimes we try to, and I, I fall into this a lot, is what, what can I do? moment I say that, I say, wait a minute, Lord, what, what can you do through me? Because I'm weak, but you're strong. 
And the more I trust in you, in fact, when we prayed earlier, one of our prayer, uh, one of our prayer warriors said the, the word that God wants to give us tonight is the word trust. And I thought that's exactly what it comes down to, is us trusting the Lord. Do we trust him? And I believe we do. It's just not looking at everything else. It's looking unto him. And we can trust in him in everything we do. So thanks, Chad. Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. Thank